Now, if you would, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. If you're there, say amen. Amen. If you ain't there, say hold on, preacher. Here we go. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. I'll let you take that in for just a minute. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it comes through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason... Everybody say, make every effort. 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 For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has already made clear to me. And I will make every effort to do so, that I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. You can be seated. This morning I'm going to start a, um, a series, a series that I, I taught back in, I think it was uh, 2011, 2012, somewhere around in there. I've been drawn to this for a while. I actually packed it in my bag some, um, I don't know, probably a year ago, and I just felt led to come back to this, but pride kept me away from it. 
Every time I'd pull it out and start studying and looking into it again, something inside of me would say, but you've already, you've already done this. They've already heard this. And so pride, because my mindset was, you need to give them something new. You need to give them something fresh. Because of that prideful mindset, it's taken me a year to get here. I packed it in my bag to take to Guatemala with me because I thought, well, maybe that's something I can go through with home studies in Guatemala and I can take them through the growth plan. And I didn't get it there. And so it's just been sitting in my bag for about a year now. And then finally, um, I, I began to meet with some, some new salvations here lately, some people that we have recently led to, led to Christ. And one of the things that, that happened as I was talking to one young lady while I was in the process of leading her to Christ, she comes out and she asked me, she says, what kind of fruit is God looking for? She was here two Sundays ago whenever I was preaching on the vineyard and us being the new tenants of God's vineyard. That God had put Israel in His vineyard and He meant for them to bring forth fruit, but because they refused some of His fruit and they stoned the messengers and they, they, they would not listen to the prophets that came to teach them how to, bear, how to bear fruit, He took it away from them. And then He made Christ the chief cornerstone of the new, ten, of the new um, vineyard and He puts us in it as Christians. And as we are built up on Christ, we bear fruit for God. And when she asked the question, well, what kind of fruit is God looking for? That right there hit me. I said, it's time to go back and start looking at the kind of fruit that we are supposed to bear for God. And this is going to be, be the beginnings of that. Because remember, God is looking for fruit. He didn't just save you to save you. I hope you know that. God loves you. He does. And He saved you because He loves you. But don't get it twisted... God saved you to bear fruit for Him. God saved you for His glory. God saved you for His praise sake. And so we need to make sure that we're examining our lives and we are producing fruit for God. We are producing praise for Him. We are producing, we're making every effort to make sure that we are growing in Him and reflecting what He has called us to do to give Him fruit. Another reason is because many of these that already believe God by faith, they need to be stirred up according to verse 13. He said, I think it is right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will soon be. I love the way Peter put that. He said, I'm fixing to put off my body. He didn't say I'm fixing to die. Peter's not fixing to die. He's fixing to be crucified upside down, martyred for his faith. But he does not look at this and say, I'm fixing to die. Same way that Paul did. When it was Paul's time to go, he said, my departure is at hand. I'm not fixing to die. I'm fixing to depart from here and arrive somewhere else. And so Peter says, the putting off of my body is close. But just because I put off this body don't mean I'm dying. It means I'm going to a new body. And so I love the way that Peter put that right there. But many people already believing this by faith, they need to be stirred up. Peter actually said in verse 12, he said, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, even though you know them already, even though you are established in this present truth, even though you have it. You need a reminder 
And if you were to go back a little bit further and look, he'll tell you why you need reminders. Because if you do these things, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. In other words, if you do these things, you will be effective and you will be fruitful for God. If you do these things, he goes on to say that in this way, the, the entranceway to the kingdom of God is richly provided for you in this way. Now before we get too far into this, I don't want you to start thinking that we do these things to earn our way. Remember the way that Peter first started off this thing in verse 1, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, this is to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. That may not mean much to you, but you know what I hear Peter saying to me right there? Your faith gives you access to everything that I have access to. You know, I, um, I've talked to people before. I heard it last night, and, and you, they'll, they'll tell you, well, the, the pastor has a special place with God, or he has a, um, he, he's at a different level. And as far as maturity and understanding, that's true. It should be anyway. I can't teach you if I'm not at a different level of maturity, right? And so, yes, that should be right. But what you have to understand is your faith at the beginning is of equal standing of my faith where it is 20 years later. And Peter says, your faith, no matter where you're at, is of equal standing with all of ours, with Paul, with Silas, with, with James and John, you have a faith of equal standing and because it, it comes by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. The same righteousness that Peter received that gave him the standing that he has with God is the same righteousness that came to you by your faith. There's no difference. You have the same opportunity to come before God that Peter has. You have the same opportunity to stand before God in His presence and ask the same things that I have. My prayers are not more powerful than yours. Peter's prayers are not more powerful than yours. It's all about the measure of faith that you have. And he says, this is to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. And it comes by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when I was a kid, I remember we used to have company picnics. My daddy worked at American Magato. We had company picnics. <clears throat> and the company picnics that we went to were at Opryland. Now, how many of y'all remember Opryland? I figured there would be a few that remember that. Opryland was kind of like Six Flags for any youngsters that don't remember Opryland or don't know anything about it. But I would go to Opryland and I can remember I was probably only 9 or 10 years old. But we would walk through the main entrance and as soon as you come through, there was a ride over to your left called the Screaming Delta Demon. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? And at 9 or 10 years old, I could hear that click, 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 click. <laughs> and I wanted some of that. I wanted some of that so bad. But I can remember I would get in line and I would sit there and I would wait and you'd finally get up to this point to where there was this little ruler or this measuring stick. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you get up next to it and it says, you must be this tall in order to ride this ride. And so what do you do? <laughs> You're doing everything you can to get up there tall enough. But I can remember that the first time we went and I stood up against that ride, or stood up against that measuring stick, I didn't measure up. 
And I, I had to turn around in the line, and I can remember, it was either mom or dad, but I can remember, it's okay, we'll take you to the petting zoo. So here I am looking at the screaming Delta Demon, the Wabash Cannonball, the Chaos, uh, the, the Grizzly River Rampage, and they're taking me to the petting zoo. I'm not big enough yet. And I can remember I would go back home and, and so you would go back to the doctor and when you went into the doctor, the thing that excited you was you got to get up there and you got to see how big you were. And so the first thing you did when you see it is you ran up next to it and you stand up real tall next to it so you can get measured and you can see, am I growing? Am I getting anywhere? And so what I want you to understand is that if I had went back to the doctor and year after year or six months, half a year after half a year, whenever I went back, if after so long I didn't grow, what would the doctor say to my parents? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. If I go from one year to the next and I have not grown and I'm not bigger on this growth scale, then there's a problem. And in the same manner, what Peter is going to try to get across to you in this letter is that if you are not growing, there is a problem. And so we have to have some kind of measuring tool that we can stack up against and be able to say... This year, I'm five foot tall, but next year, I should be five foot two. And so what I want you to be able to do is have some measuring stick that you can look at, and based on what you're building on your faith, and faith alone, now don't get it twisted, I'm not saying that you're trying to earn your way into salvation. Justification with God, His, His uh, declaration where He declares you not guilty of your sin, it comes the moment you believe. Yet sanctification is a lifelong process. Sanctification will be the evidence of true justification. If there is no continual sanctification... I'm going to tell you just like Peter tells you, then there was probably never any real justification. And so we want to be able to look at something to see. How can I make my call and my election sure? How can I look at my chart and see where I'm at so that I can be assured in myself that my justification was real and I'm building on this justification by adding this and this and this and this. And that's what Peter wants us to be able to do. There's a poem that was written. The author is unknown. I don't even know when it was written, but this is what it says. It says, If there were a yardstick to measure the Spirit... Think about this for a minute. If there were a yardstick to measure the Spirit, and you could mark the growth of your past, I wonder what your answer would be to this question. Are you taller this year than last? Whenever you were a kid, I'm sure that some of y'all might have had a mark on the wall or some of you parents may have put marks on the wall for your kids so that time after time when they come in, you'd have these little marks and so that as they grew, you were able to keep going up and keep marking. Well, if there were a yardstick to measure the Spirit and you could mark the growth of your past, I wonder how you would answer this question. Are you taller this year than last? Well, I want to tell you that Peter is fixing to give us a yardstick to measure the Spirit. 
And He's fixing to show you how you can examine and see just exactly how tall you are as you grow in this faith. But first, I want to give you just a little context. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 19. Peter is speaking to a people who has been... They're a Gentile people. They're not Jewish people. There's probably a few Jews involved in this mix, but they are a lawless people. They're a people that's been delivered out of a completely lawless society. They've had no uh, religious background other than pagan religion. They've had, they've had no... Um, Uh, godly direction or anything that leads them in a good way. Everything has been based off their own desires and what they want. And they've, you ever heard the old expression, if it feels good, do it? This is the kind of society that these people have come out of. And he is speaking to believers that have been saved and delivered from these lifestyles, but they're still very susceptible to going back to those lifestyles. And so Peter wants to make sure that they are going forward and not backward. And so as a result of that, he writes these two letters. The first letter in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, this is what he says. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, don't go back and conform yourself back to what God has delivered you out of. But as He who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, or the time that you're a stranger here now. Remember, now you may live in a world that's still full of sinful pleasures. You may live in a world that is exalting sinful lifestyles. But he says, now you're a stranger in this place. How many of you know this world is not your home? You're just passing through. And so you are an exile in this place. And so you would need to conduct yourselves in a manner that is pleasing unto God while you're going through this time of exile. But then verse 18 he says, you have to know that you were ransomed from your feudal ways. So God took you out of your feudal ways. He paid the price to get you out of there. He ransomed you. And He inherited or the feudal ways that you inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver as gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So anyway, God has brought you out of your rebellion and He has placed you into His marvelous light so that you can live for His glory. No longer to live according to the, to the dark ways that you came out of. But now go with me to 1 Peter 2 verse 1 through 3. So because you've been ransomed from your rebellion, Peter says next, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn infants, because that's what he does, is he gives you a new heart and he gives you a new mind, he gives you a clean slate, and he gives you a new life. And so he says, as newborn infants, your job now is to long and desire for the pure spiritual milk of the Word. You know, when babies come out, they need food to survive. But the only food they're ready for is milk. And so when babies come out of the womb, you don't have to beg them to desire milk. They usually come out crying. And most of the time, if you will put something in their mouth, they will automatically start 
Because they have inside of them a desire to get what they need in order to grow. And so Peter says, as a newborn babe in Christ, you need to have a desire within you to get what you need so that you can grow. And that would be the spiritual milk of the Word. And he says, that by it you may grow up into salvation. In verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If. That's a big if. Go with me now to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you. The reason you were saved is because He called you. Somewhere along the line, you heard the gospel and you heard God say to you, I want to save you from your rebellious ways. And if you heard that call and you believed on the gospel, He saved you and He chose you. But it says, He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so, here's the thing that Peter is trying to get across to you and to to all the people he's writing to here. God didn't just save you to leave you in darkness. God saved you so that He could open your eyes to your rebellious ways and see that He didn't create you to live for these things. He created you to live for Him. This is the context of this. Just a few more scriptures and we'll get it back into it. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. I'm sorry, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. We read it a minute ago. It says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Christ is your pivot point. When I say pivot point, I'm talking about the turnaround. I'm talking about God created you to live for Him, but instead of living for Him and following Him, you know the old story, Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's what they said. They said, God, thank You for everything You've done for us, but we don't need You to guide us anymore. We don't need You to tell us right from wrong anymore. We can decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. And that's what we still do a lot of times today, right? That's a rebellious way. And God says that we fell short in our sin. We fell short of what He created us for. And so as a result of that, Jesus steps in and He pays the way. He dies for our sin and He allows Christ to pull us out of our rebellion and place us into the glorious presence of God. So He takes us out of darkness and places us in the marvelous light of Almighty God. So here's the thing. Don't ever think for one minute that your Christianity is just, I got saved and now I just got to let go and let God. You got saved and now you cling on to God and you follow God with everything that you have. And this is what Christ is trying to lead us to. A few more scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. He Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He didn't save you so you could stay in your sin. If you are continuing in your sin, there is something wrong. 
We've got to evaluate some things. We've got to figure something out. By His wounds you have been healed. And then verse 25, For you like sheep, you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And then back in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, I want you to see that Peter is still speaking to the same group of people. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. His whole intent behind these letters is so that you understand that God called you out of darkness and He is calling you into light. He does not... He does not, he's not okay with us remaining in darkness. That's not why He saved us. you got to get this. And so in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, back there again. We're back to where, where we're supposed to be. In verse 12, Peter says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth you have, I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. You have to remember something. At the end of, at the, end of the Gospel of John, um, Peter and Jesus are in this conversation of whether or not Peter loves him. And then at the end of this conversation, um, Peter is talking to Jesus about John and wants to know, well, what about this guy right here? Is he going to live till you come back? Or what's he going to do? And Jesus said, don't worry about him. You just follow me. You do what I called you to do. And then Jesus told him, He said, listen, Peter, when you were young, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, someone else will stretch out your hands and take you where you don't want to go. And then it tells us in John that Jesus told him this to signify by what kind of death he would die. And so here Peter is at this door now. Now he's there and he sees that it's coming. He's seeing the prophecy of Jesus Christ play out and he knows it's inevitable. He says, I'm fixing to put off this body exactly the way that Jesus said it was going to happen. This is where it's going. He said, Jesus made it clear to me And then in verse 15 he says, And I will make every effort I can so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Listen, parents. If this were going to be the last time you ever talked to your kids and you knew it, what would you say to them? This will be the last time you'll ever see them. You'll never see them again. What will you say to them? you'll probably say whatever is most important to you. I know most of you are going to tell them how much you love them. I know that. But if you know that they're children and they've got to grow up, is there anything else that you think you might would say to them? I know I would. I would try to get everything I could in. The most important things that I think they need to know, since I'm not going to be around to share it with them, I want to make sure that I get it to them and I want to make sure they have a reminder of it. And so Peter, the, the one of the inner three of Jesus' circle... Peter, the great apostle, the one whom Jesus looked at and said, on this church, on this rock, I'm building my church. This Peter now looks at it and he says, I want you to know this. There's nothing more important to me than you understand this. And let's look at verse 3 very quickly. We'll go through them fast. I can see I'm not even going to get into the first part of it, so I'll cut cut this message in half this week 
you'll have the context and we'll get into it next week. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter says, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, everything I've told you is that God expects you to grow. But what I want you to understand is you have everything you need. Don't think for one second that God didn't give you what you need to grow. You have it. It comes from His divine power and He's granted to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's the goal, life and godliness. The source is His divine power. And it comes through the knowledge of Him who called us. In other words, it comes through the gospel. When you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you heard the call of God to believe this, and you did believe it, you gained everything you needed in order to live for Him. And He called us to His own glory and His excellence. So again, you were in rebellion. He pulls you out of darkness and He puts you in glory and excellence. And He tells you, now live for Me. Be holy as I am holy. Now walk after I am. Follow My example. Grow in your faith. And so, He says, you've got everything you need to do it. And it comes through the knowledge of Him or through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then it goes on in verse, uh, verse 4, and it says, by which He granted to us His precious and very great promises. In other words, through the gospel, you received the promises of God. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, God gave you promises. Let's look at what just, uh, it's twofold. He says, so that through the promises you may become, here's the first part of it, a partaker of the divine nature. The first promise is that God is going to give you His Holy Spirit. Go back with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. He says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and what? You will receive the Holy Spirit. And then look what he says in verse 39. For the promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, everyone, the Lord our God. What? If you have heard the gospel and you have heard the call of Christ to come to it, then the promise belongs to you. And so what he says is that by hearing the gospel, by receiving the call of the gospel, you have received the promise of the gospel, and the promise of the gospel is that you are now a partaker in God's nature. He now has given you a nature so that you have guidance in your life and so that you can walk and so that you can follow Him and so that you can be holy as He is holy. And you can keep building onto your faith. That's the first part of the promise. The second part of the promise is that you have escaped the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Go with me to Romans 6, verses 6 through 12. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So our old self was crucified so we're no longer enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Keep going. For the death He died, He died to sin once and for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. 
So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Here's what God is trying to tell you in the second part of the promise of Christ. Because Christ defeated sin and because Christ defeated death, you now can die to your sin. He now has given you the power because you have His nature. So you now have the power to say, I will not let sin reign. Here's the thing about it. Sin is no longer your master. Sin is now your enemy. You still fight him. You still deal with him. But he's not your master. Sin is your enemy. And so he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make it obey its passions. So in closing, let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 1 and read this one more time. Starting in verse 3. He said, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it comes through the gospel, through the knowledge of Him who called us. It comes through the gospel, it comes through the call of God. And it comes for Him calling us into His glory and excellence. And, it, and by which the gospel has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through those promises you may become a partaker of the divine nature you may have the Holy Spirit. And so that through the promise you can escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. In other words, sin will no longer be your master, but now it is your enemy. And so that leads us into verse 5 where we will start next week. And I didn't even get into my message, but at least y'all got a part of it. Beginning in verse 5, he says, For this very reason... For this very reason. What very reason? For the reason that you have divine power. Listen, I don't know if you understand what you have inside of you. But for the very reason that you have divine power. For the very reason that you have power over sin. And that you have the power to fight it. For the very reason that you have answered the call of the gospel and you've been delivered from the corruption of this world because of that sin. How many of you in here be a witness and say, I know that sin leads to corruption. I know it does. And God delivered me from that. And so He says, for this very reason, then you need to do this. Now, because your faith has saved you through the gospel... Now you need to make every effort. You know, here's the problem with us. You know why Christians don't grow many times? You know why Christians are usually ineffective and unfruitful? Peter says one reason is because they're blind. One reason is because they're blind. They can't see. They're like the, they're like the, the, the parable of the sower. And, and whenever the, the man went out to sow and he sowed and some of it popped up on the wayside, but, but then it, it said it, it just sprung up and died out. And Jesus said, hear the parable of the sower. Those guys were the ones that they heard the Word of God. They heard it. But they didn't understand it. And because they didn't understand it, the wicked one came and just snatched the seed away. And so what you need to understand is that there are many times in a Christian's life that they heard a call, they heard a convicting message, but they didn't hear the gospel call. And they responded and they prayed a prayer, but nothing ever changed. 
Nothing ever changed. And as a result of that, the wicked would came and snatch that seed away and they just went right back in the same old routine. And he says that if you are not growing and increasing in these qualities, then the truth is you're blind. Your eyes will never open to the true gospel. You are, you are blind and you have forgotten what the gospel said and that's that you could be cleansed from all of your sin. That's one reason why people don't grow. There are several reasons. I'm not going to get into them all. Here's the point of this morning's message. I'm going to end with this. If you are a Christian and you understand that God is giving you a new life and you understand that God is delivering you from the corruption that is in this world through evil desire and you understand that God is giving you His divine nature then you have all things by His divine power that pertain to this life and you live in godly. Here's what he's saying, you have no excuse. It's kind of like a farmer that somebody gives them the farm. They provide the land, they provide the tractor, they provide the seed, they provide the farmhouse, they provide the barn, they provide the cows, they provide the hay, and they put a farmer in there and the only thing he has to do is farm. But then he looks back when the, farmer, when, when the owner comes back and he looks at the owner and he says... Couldn't do it. Didn't have what I needed. Hang on, you got cows, you got a tractor, you got a barn, you got a house, you got land, you got the plow, you got the seed. I, I gave you everything. What do you mean? I, I just couldn't do it. It was too hard. I, I gave you everything you needed. You had divine power. You had divine nature. You, you had been delivered from, from, from the, the corruption that is in the world through evil desire, but you couldn't do it. And so Peter says, guys, listen, the most important thing I need you to know, the more important than anything else, I need you to understand that when you are saved and when you truly understand that God has took you out of darkness and put you into light, you need to make sure that you have a part to play now in sanctification. For this very reason, you make every effort to add to your faith, to supplement your faith, the things that are going to allow it to grow. I pray that you'll keep coming back week after week. We're going to go through these one at a time. I'm going to give you life applications. You're going to have homework through this. At the end of every one of these series, we're going to look at this and we're going to figure out a way for you to apply this in your life so that every week that you're able to come back in, you can stand against the growth chart and you can say, this is where I'm at. And you can actually make your call and your election sure. And you can be fruitful and effective in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my desire for you.